0: So an exercise I like to use for decisions like that are, are make sure that your financial decisions are honoring your past self, honoring your today self, honoring your future self. And so many times because we're human and it is how we are hardwired, so many of our decisions today are based on our past selves.
1: Hey, midlifers, welcome to the Midlife Makeover Show. Are you ready to break free from your mundane midlife? Are you feeling trapped in a vicious cycle of rinse and repeat days? No matter if you're experiencing a divorce hangover, job burnout, or you just have the midlife blues, I got you. Hey, I'm Wendy, your hostess of the Midlife Mostess. I too was hit by midlife like a freight train. I too felt stuck in the same dull chapter. I wanted the clarity of how to create a new life beyond divorce and the courage to leave an unfulfilling career. But I kept telling myself that I wasn't worthy and it was just easier to stay in my comfort zone until I found a little secret, the freedom to live my life my way. In this podcast, you will learn how to achieve a vibrant midlife mind and body, how to create solid relationships through love and loss, and how to create an awesome second half of life. Grab your grande latte, pop in your earbuds, and let's get this midlife party started. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the show, show, show. (laughs) Today is Monday, July 24th. And for those of you following my RV travels, here's a little update on my West Coast road trip. And for those of you not following my travels, well, here's a little update on my RV road trip. (laughs) I spent the last week here in Portland, Oregon, and I have a pretty crazy story to tell you about my trip to downtown Portland. If you watch the news, then you know that downtown Portland has really gone to crap, unfortunately, in the last few years with rioting, gang violence, and drug addicts. It's definitely unfortunate because it is such a beautiful city with cool buildings, lots of trees, rivers, and Mount Hood. So cool in the near distance. Despite all the violence, I still wanted to go see downtown Portland. I thought I'd prove all the statistics wrong, right? So my boyfriend, Our little doggy Daisy and I ventured out to one of the nicest areas of downtown Portland. We were told that Knob Hill and Pearl District were little yuppie villages and we would be safe to go there. Okay, cool. (laughs) We went to this really popular cafe called Pine State that specializes in yummy Bloody Marys. And these biscuits made with fried chicken and apple butter. OMG. Definitely not on my new diet, but hey, when in Rome or Portland. (laughs) So here we are sitting outside at this little cafe. The sun is shining, groovy music playing in the background. Daisy's having fun, checking out all the little doggies walking by. We are chowing down on our ooey-gooey fried chicken biscuits and sipping away at our spicy Bloody Marys when we see a police car go flying by. Not just flying by, you guys, but crazy flying by at like 100 miles an hour down this cute little village street. I didn't think much of it because after living in Chicago for a few years, it's normal to see police cars driving by super fast. After all, it was just one cop car. Well, not really. Here came another cop car, and another, and another, and another. I counted at least, no joke, 25 cop cars. And then here came six ambulances and about five of those gigantic armored SWAT vehicles. All of this is happening in about 10 minutes while I'm eating my biscuit and drinking my drink. (laughs) It's a little bit of a crazy Saturday morning. At first, I thought these cop cars were driving way far away from where we were eating. But I thought wrong. Because when I peeked around the corner, the cops were only about two blocks away. It gets worse. I was thinking that maybe it was some major car accident or something like that. I thought, wrong again. I searched on my phone to see if any reports came up for the area, and come to find out someone had, this is so awful, had walked into a hospital emergency room and began shooting. So freaking awful. Is that nuts or what? I could see the cops blocking the streets with caution tape, and I thought to myself, well, at least they got the guy. Shoo-wee! I thought, wrong again. I read further down on the report, and apparently the suspect was on the loose. Right when I read that, this lady came up to me and asked me what happened. I was thinking, oh, geez, what if she's the shooter? <laughs> like, like, oh, my God. You know how, like, suspects actually return to the crime scene? Needless to say, we got the hell out of Dodge, and we escaped safely. hoo we? I just read the latest news report this morning, and they finally found the suspect in a nearby town where he was shot during a standoff. And, unfortunately, the hospital security guard was shot and killed, and one other hospital employee was injured. My heart goes out to both of those people and their families. Oh, my gosh. It's so awful. So, everyone, that was my experience with downtown. Portland, Oregon. I'm sure it's not all bad, but we just happened to pick the wrong place (laughs) to go to that day. Today, we are also getting the hell out of Dodge and we are going to drive to Coos Bay, Oregon. I've never been where we are staying right on the beach at this awesome RV resort. And I'm praying that it's far away from any more shootings. Uh, yeah. So folks, that was my travel update and I hope the next travel update is better. On a happy note, I have a great episode for you today. I promise no more bad news, just good news because we are talking about money, honey. I absolutely loved interviewing today's guest because she is just so cool. If you can, watch our interview on YouTube. She is such a neat lady. And yes, you can watch the Midlife Makeover Show on YouTube. I always upload the audio portion for you and the video portion. That way, not only will you be able to hear me rambling on, but you can see me rambling on. (laughs) plus you can see my beautiful guest in action if you go to youtube just search for you guessed it the midlife makeover show i also upload short video clips on youtube and inspirational reels so check it out for now let's check out today's guest jen sapel jen is a recovering overachiever who overcompensated financially after living with a mother who struggled financially after a divorce. She describes her childhood home as one that pretended tough subjects didn't exist. Rape, death, sex, and of course, money. Her drive to succeed, curiosity, and astonishing ability to problem-solve helped propel her success in financial services. Winning awards and often being the only woman leader in the room. She started UTOR Wealth after tiring of long-winded meetings and overemphasis on products and sales quotas. UTOR, this is really cool, is Latin for to use, to employ, to enjoy. Jen believes that every dollar we touch and how we send it out into the world is shaping both the world we live in and the one we aspire to. I so agree every woman deserves to do it intentionally and with confidence. That is exactly how she helps her clients. Oh my gosh, you guys are going to love her. All right, without further ado, please welcome Jen to the show. Enjoy. Jen Sappel, welcome to the Midlife Makeover Show. I don't know why I'm talking like that. (laughs) Yeah, I we such it. a great convo before we even hit record, which is awesome. We're going to continue the great convo. Today, we're going to talk about money, honey, and making money your best friend. Because like you said, before we hit record, it's like the cool thing about money, it doesn't talk back. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> but you can talk to your money all you want. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so tell everyone a little bit more about you. And, uh, your pathway that led you to, uh, to doing what you do. Sure. Yeah. Uh,
0: we all have a money story, right? Some of us are really, um, intimate with our money story. And some of us, we haven't really thought a lot about our money story. I would say I spent most of my life thinking about my money story. So, Mm uh, what got me to becoming a financial advisor is that my parents got divorced when I was 10 and Mm -hmm. like, before divorce, was very comfortable. Uh, We didn't even know money existed, I would say. I can think of one conversation that I had with my parents about money before the divorce. Hmm. And then post-divorce, my mom really struggled financially. And so it seemed Uh like money was the biggest and scariest topic in every room. Um, And that, I mean, I, I took two things away from that as a kid. One, I I was like, I'll never be in that position Mm and I I want to be financially dependent on somebody else. Um, And two is I want the opposite of that. So like, instead of it being a scary, mysterious thing, I want to learn everything I possibly can about it.
1: Oh, such a smart, smart little girl there. You know, and, and, (laughs) and. I would
0: say now that I'm in my 40s and I'm continuing to learn, um, I actually shared my story a f- couple weeks ago at a Women in Wealth conference. And something I learned about my story again, having shared it again, is that my mom didn't actually struggle with money. Mm. She had enough. Huh. Objectively, she had enough, like not a lot, but enough for us not to be stressed about money. It was just that because she wasn't confident with her financial decisions and like what to do with money and what not to do with money. And because it was a significant lifestyle change, right? She was used to this lifestyle and now she was adjusting to a new lifestyle. Um, But just again, like continuing to kind of discover my own money story. I was like, you know, Most of my life, I would say we didn't have enough, Uh, but
1: we had enough. It was just so
2: interesting.
1: Yeah. I'm thinking too, it's just popped into my wild mind a lot of times. And I think, uh, and I I was probably like this too, actually, now that I think about it, that as women, we sometimes feel more secure when we're in relationship and marriage that you could have the same exact amount of money, but you just yeah. Feel like that you're more financially secure if you're with someone. Yeah. That makes sense. So maybe even just the divorce itself was just so she she had to put that pain somewhere. She put it, yes. you know, connected it to the money, to the lack, right. the yes. scarcity, yes. even though there wasn't any. Yes. And, and so yes.
0: it was different, right? It's nuanced, right? Because yes. it's different. There was there was less money. Mm-hmm. She was less secure, right? We are less right. secure. With one income instead of two. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all of those things are reality. And it didn't have to be as scary. You pointed out something that that was another thing I discovered through yeah. kind of examining the story is that um, so much of her anger and resentment about the circumstances overall, money became the object of that, you know, processing.
1: Well, and there's a lot of people, especially I've I've interviewed so many divorce attorneys on this show, uh, but a lot of people do not get a divorce or delay the divorce because of money. Either they're like, you know, crap, I've got to go and get a job or I've got to take, you know, take care of this debt or I'll be left with this debt. I'm one of those women that waited and waited and I was like, how I I stayed in the marriage because I wasn't sure how I was going to do it all, how, I, how I would handle it. Yeah. But then I thought, okay, what's, you know, and that's, it's like, it's crazy to think how much we can allow money to control us and yeah. control our relationships and control yep. our happiness.
2: Yep.
1: What uh, Speaking of the name of your company is UDOR. UDOR? UDOR, yeah. UDOR. And what does it mean again in Latin? Latin, yeah. There's three definitions. To use, to employ, and to enjoy. Ah. Uh, yeah. That's what it's about right there. Yeah. Instead of destroy. Yeah. Yeah. I. I. The most helpful framing for
0: money. And again, like I've toyed with all the different ways to kind of look at money to use money, to invest, to earn, how things are valued. That's a really interesting conversation for me right now in general, if we want to go down that rabbit hole. Um, but the most helpful framing for me that I have found with money is, is that it is merely a resource. When I use the word resource instead of money, um, even just that word resource is tied to so much less emotional baggage, right? Less shame, less fear, less, If you think about other resources you have to manage, like I have to manage my time, I have to manage my energy, I have Mm -hmm. to manage, you know, relationships. Like these are all resources that I have in my life that I manage on a day-to-day basis. For me, it just seemed much more approachable to be like, oh, it's just another resource that I have to manage.
1: Right. And I think a lot of it is, uh, it's your relationship with money. Mm
0: -hmm. I
1: know for me, I had to change my relationship with money when I went through my divorce and then after the divorce, a lot of uh, the biggest, probably mound in front of me was the debt that I had to chip away at. And it it was so depressing to me that Mm -hmm. I was like, "I, how am I going to do this? Mm -hmm. And I had to cheer myself through it. Like you'll get through it. You'll do this. I mean, and there's no way, like I, if I hadn't, Change that mindset, my money mindset. I wouldn't be sitting where I'm at today, doing mm-hmm. this podcast in in this RV and somewhere in Oregon,
2: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> you know. But I it, it it was a it was a ticket actually to my freedom, oh.
2: and it had nothing to
1: do with material things. It had nothing to do with that. It was being able to live my life my way. Yes, and and to be able to take care of those things that were standing in my way. Yes, and it's all possible. It's so possible. I mean, I was uh, not to make this thing about me, but uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, it's your show. <laughs> <That, laughs> <that, laughs> it's <is> About me, <laughs> but, guys. Like when I got a divorce. Um, I mean, I know a lot of uh, people listening have heard the story before, but at the same time. My dog died, my cat died, my brother died, my marriage died, I died, right? Just spiritually, I was just like, wow. And I had a decision to make. Like, I got to pick myself up off that damn floor and I got to do something about it. And I was unemployed. I had probably, oh, good God, it makes my stomach hurt to think about it. At least, at least 150 grand in debt, Mm -hmm. at least. And I set out, I was like, Dan, I'm just gonna get a job. I gotta start somewhere. You gotta start somewhere. Take a step forward. You have yes. to take a step forward. And uh I tell you my I found a great job. I was offered a job in Chicago, moved there, and within one year, I paid off all my debt.
2: Wow. Because
1: I just was so determined. I'm like, I've I want to clear up this mess. Like I'm going to do it. And You've got to keep your why in mind, I feel. Like, why do you want to do this? And i tell you, the more, the every time I'd pay off another credit card or whatever, the car, whatever it was, I felt more empowered and more confident with myself. Yes, yes. And that's where it's at. That's... I love, yeah. And that's what I, when people ask me what
0: I do, that's what I tell them. I say, I help yeah. hire women make financial, be financially confident, right? Be yep. confident in every financial decision they make. Yep. Uh, but you, in sharing your story, like you brought up two keys that I think not a lot of people talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the first is just, even when, even before you really truly believe it, yes. that you start walking down the path of, I am capable. I yes.
1: can do this. Yep.
0: <clears throat> even when the how isn't super clear, and uh you know like everything else is muddy but just like making that that switch to like this isn't impossible i really can
1: not exactly can't. It, it, it's yeah if i can do it you can do it <laughs> yeah and taking like it just taking a step forward taking any type of action is better than no action at all amen yeah and it's a lot about just believing in yourself and that but the cool thing is i think Especially at midlife, right? If the nest is almost empty or completely empty, if you are going through divorce, even if you're not going through divorce, it is the perfect time yeah. to, to to start something new. Yeah. Yeah. And like I mean, and a lot of times, I mean, especially with my life, it was I, I almost had to completely deconstruct my old life to create to construct a new life. Yeah. It's the perfect time to do that. You know what I mean? You're like, yes. it's like, when the light bulb goes off, like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. I can do it my way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So question for you. I don't know if you've thought about this before. But hold, can we hold, oh. hold your question just a second? Yeah, yeah, the, second thing,
0: the first point was that you can, right? Like you made that mentality <laughs> that you can. And the second thing is that I think there's this perception that we can't recover from financial mistakes, that like of all the mistakes we make, like you can get a bad haircut, right? Or you can like buy the wrong pair of shoes, or there's lots of mistakes that we like allow ourselves to make on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. For some reason, we're terrified of financial mistakes. There's lots of reasons why we're terrified of financial mistakes. But I think that's the other thing you, you brought up for me as in sharing your story is that everybody, we don't get out of this lifetime without making financial mistakes. And sometimes they are uh, huge financial. Yep. mistakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'll tell you the wealthiest people I know, like, and wealthy, I've seen crazy wealthy, wealthy, uh um, yeah. well families, everybody who is, who has wealth, even the wealthiest people, if you ask them their biggest financial mistake, they'll tell you, they'll know they can point yep. right and give you the dollar amount. And they can say, yeah, that was a mistake. And we recovered from it, right? And we learned from it. And there's an and after the mistake. So I think being afraid of making a mistake, I think that's really common for people. It's particularly Uh common for women. Yep.
1: Where perfectionism is kind of an
0: expectation.
1: Yep. That was (laughs) like, yep, I'm a recovering perfectionist myself. Yep. 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 Yeah. And I, yeah, very well said. and. I personally don't believe in mistakes. I believe in retakes, um, which helped me to kind of push, push past that. Like, you know what? It's just leap and the net will appear. I'll figure the shit out as I go along. It's going to be okay. And yeah, I mean, I've made huge financial mistakes in the past. I'll probably make another one in the future. (laughs) But but I do have more knowledge now about my finances. And here's the other thing, too. I feel like when you're in a relationship, whether you're married or whatever, right, you you sometimes end up adopting the other person's money mindset. Yeah. Yep. Whether you like it or not. And and like if your spouse is somebody that likes to spend before the money arrives, <laughs> mm-hmm. that can affect you and then if they're pissed that you're not wanting to spend the money before the you know before it arrives then that if, so you have to that's part of I feel gaining that independence have your own mindset yes put your foot down and go no this is what i think and this is how it's going to be yeah and to have a good healthy relationship about money because mm-hmm. it can it can be, it can do wonderful things for you in your life. Yes.
0: Yeah. I, I, you know, to use an analogy, money, think of it like a garden, right. And you have to nurture it. So like you have to weed it, then you have to water it. Then sometimes you have to fertilize it, you know, all those things for it to grow and nourish you, right. Money is, is that, uh, it's the grease. It's the, it's the, uh, intermediary, right. That Let's us live the life that we value. Right. Um, <clears throat> and if you aren't intentional about it, there are so many influences, mm-hmm. you know, we get ten thousand, up to 10,000 marketing messages a day. So 10,000 times a day, yep. somebody is giving you a message that they deserve your money, that you should value their product or service, you know, right. more than something else that you're doing currently. Um, So if you don't intentionally like decide this is what I'm going to nurture, then somebody else is going to make that decision for you, whether it's a marketing marketing firm or a spouse or somebody else. And financial abuse is a real thing. Oh, gosh. Yes. It's a real, real thing. So if you're in a relationship where, and this dynamic is really common, Mm -hmm. uh, where there's an earning spouse and the stay-at-home spouse. Yep. It is financial abuse for that earning spouse just to say because you don't earn, you know, to, to mm-hmm. the one that isn't earning. It's financial abuse to say you don't have a say because you don't earn. Right. Just because you don't earn doesn't mean you don't have a say in the financial decisions. Yeah. Usually in those scenarios, the the working spouse couldn't be a working spouse mm-hmm. without the labor that you're providing. Right. Yeah. Now, whether it's childcare or whatever the case is. So like that's still a partnership even though the labor you're providing to that relationship is unpaid labor. Yeah. Um
1: so yeah, you... yeah. I'm like a lot of people can't see what I'm doing unless you're watching on YouTube and I'm like yeah. Yeah. I like I could totally relate. Yeah. So, question for you um as the gen that you are now with all of your knowledge and your wisdom if your mom was sitting in front of you and came into your office after the divorce with your dad, what would you, what advice would you give to her? What a good question. Mm. Uh,
0: I ended up giving my mom this exact advice Mm. probably 15 years after Mm. (laughs) the divorce, maybe longer. (laughs) Um, And the thing that was most helpful when I sat her down was I looked at her and I said, you can do this. Mm. Yeah. You you are capable. You have all of the skills you need today to be better with money, to be good at money. And again, in my like kind of reexamining of my story, objectively, my mom has always been better with money than my dad was. Mm. Difference was that my dad was better at making money. Ah, yeah. A tall, handsome, white salesman made a lot of money. Mm -hmm. He was terrible. Once he made it, he was terrible at what he did with it. My mom, conversely, has never made more than $40,000 a year in her life. Mm -hmm. But she's managed to live a life where she can pay to live. She can pay to eat. She can pay to drive. Like all the things she wants to do. And she lives in a place that she absolutely loves living today. Yeah. Uh, And isn't going to
1: die with debt. <laughs> and you know what that I'm, I love that you said that because you don't necessarily have to be making a lot of money to have a lot of money to have a lot of stuff mm-hmm. to be successful. Mm-hmm. And that I think that's part of it too of um your your money mindset and then also your what do you, how do you want to live? Yes. And I mean look at me like I I've lived in the 5000 plus square foot Houses with the filled with Pottery Barn furniture and you know two fancy cars in the garage and and here I am now. I everything you see is inside this little box on wheels. That's yep. all I have. But to me, that that worked for me. Like I don't, I didn't need a whole bunch of stuff to maintain. And so this was success to me. Yes, was to not have that debt weighing on me. And to not have a whole bunch of stuff that I had to like tons of bills and, you know, paying the landscaper, I was like, ugh. Yep. So I think that's important to define, you know, yep. how, your lifestyle, what you need, what you want and to manage it, whatever it is. Like if you want that big 5,000 square foot house with the fans, cool. Yep. Learn to manage it. Yep. A hundred percent. Yeah. And that goes back to... So with my mom,
0: like I I first was telling her, like, you can do this. It isn't, you're already doing most of it, but like, let's just take a a deeper look at it. A lot of the confusion about how to be financially successful comes from the fact that people think there's a right and a wrong way, right? Mm -hmm. Like the right way to be financially successful is the big house with the, with the cars and the. You know, and a big retirement account, and 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 and, and a boat, right? And big, <laughs> right? Yeah. They think that that's mm-hmm. what financial success looks like. When in reality, there are very few things that you need to be aware of to be financially successful, financially confident. Hmm. Very few, like pillars, like principles of financial success, mm-hmm. the methodologies, like how you get there can look wildly different from person to person. Mm. I do think that's also part of why, you know, because money is quantifiable because we can measure Mm. uh, objectively, right. The difference between $5 and $500,000, right. Mm. Because it's measurable, people just automatically assume a bigger number is better. A smaller number is worse. Right. So we're on this binary hierarchy where it's just more or less good when the reality is that yes money is objectifiably measurable Mm -hmm. but value is a hundred percent subjective yes like what you just said At a a time in your life, you valued a large house filled with pottery and furniture and nice cars. (laughs) Yeah. Today, (laughs) you value the life where you have freedom and independence and you can be out on the road and you don't have a bunch of stuff to maintain, right? Right. Right. Those two things, those are completely different value sets. And you use the word like that's how you define success. Mm -hmm. All of that is subjective. So nobody else can tell you what success looks like. So when I I went back to my mom, I was like, look, you can do this. The first pillar of like financial success Mm -hmm. is that every month, every month money comes in if you're self-employed and like, maybe you have, you know, you get like two big paychecks per year. You like have consulting gigs or something like that, where your income is less steady, Um, not a steady paycheck. But every month or every year, there's a certain amount of money that comes in. Mm. The first pillar is you have to spend less than what's coming in, right? Yeah. There just has to be some margin, some buffer there. And right. that's the first pillar of success. So when I went through with my mom and we did her, you know, budget, her monthly budget, when she actually like looked through it and saw, oh, this is how much is coming in. <clears throat> this is how much is going out towards like my regular bills this is how much i can spend on fun stuff you know once she just sat down and and became more aware mm-hmm. of what was happening on a month to month basis she got herself out of credit card debt and she's never been back in credit card debt oh good for her yeah that wasn't enough for her was just the awareness and the permission that she could be good at it and it didn't yep. have to be any more complex than that
1: yeah Exactly. Well, and you do, you do the work at the beginning so that later on it doesn't cause you stress and Mm -hmm. frustration. And I mean, people unfortunately even die from the stress of money. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm the director
0: of education of Navit, which is a financial app.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: Navit is short for navigate it. So Mm -hmm. it's about like navigating your financial decisions. It's very cool. But the founder is, she comes from healthcare and like the whole purpose of the app is when you're more financially confident, you will have higher quality of life, better health. Um, And that's the whole purpose. Yeah. It is, it's like 70% of Americans, their number one stressor is money.
1: Isn't that awful? It is. It is. So awful. And, you know, you shared with me earlier, um, your, your dad and your sister.
2: -hmm. Right,
1: they -hmm. passed away within what sixty days of one another. Yeah, and the reason I bring that up is because again we were talking about
2: life is short. Yes, yeah, yeah. Twenty twenty was hard for all of us.
0: Yeah, and really hard for you. (laughs) Um, I had I I had my second and last child in March of twenty twenty. My dad was diagnosed with cancer that May. We held his hand as he died in September. And then I went to do a wellness check on my sister and found that she had taken her last breath 56 days later.
2: Oh, shit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It was, it was horrendous. (laughs) Um, Oh God. it's so awful. uh, Yeah. And my sister, my dad and my sister would say, um, but my sister more so you know she had just left a relationship mm. um she becoming a single parent mm. um with no financial support and her daughter is autistic so she has some significant needs so like being a single parent's hard anyway yep being a single parent with a child with special needs is mm. uh something that we ask of people in our society that is just Ridiculous and wildly mm-hmm. unjust. Yeah, um, but stress was a hundred percent like something I think about a lot. I journal a lot about. I talk to my therapist a lot about. um, Is one of the things that really bothers me about her death is what her death certificate said. So, like, Ugh. her death certificate says she died of di- diabetic ketoacidosis, and that is true. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of the things that made diabetes possible in her life. And all of the stresses that made dying of diabetic ketoacidosis possible, like the parts of the story that are, you're never going to see on a death certificate. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And I found her on a Friday night and the medical examiner expects that she had died either 24 or 48 hours before that. Uh so that's another thing that kind of haunts me about her death certificate is that it has the date on it is the date that she was found. I'm like, that's a lie. Like oh that's yeah. She that's did that incredible. lie on that day. <clears throat> yeah, so she, like led me down that rabbit hole of like there's lots of things on this death certificate that aren't really
2: quite accurate. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like what's underneath all of that, right? Um you know, uh Interestingly, I, I w- it just popped in my mind. My brother had been in a, a couple of comas, and the the first, the after he came out of the first coma, he wasn't the same. He was the as you described. He was the 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 tall, good looking guy, good salesman, right? And he made a ton of money doing that. When he came out of the coma the first time, because of addiction, um, he it's almost like he lost that personality to be able to be witty and, you know, like how he got his sales. And I watched over those last few years of his life. Uh, he, because he liked buying, like he liked the big house with the fancy cars and all that stuff. He wasn't able to do those things. He lost his identity.
2: Yeah.
1: And I just slowly watched him, you know, die over those years and the point is that money is not your identity. The yeah. stuff is not your identity. You come into this world with nothing, you will leave with nothing. The the key I feel is to make money part to make it your best friend, to make it like work for you and with you and, and, and not against you. And it's not, it's, it's not who you are yeah. that, you know, I've had, I had a fancy Alfa Romeo, you know, fancy red car, whatever. I don't, it's the car is not me. I actually hated yeah. that car. <laughs> well, and my
0: question, like, and if I would have met you back when you were driving the Alfa Romeo, which is a beautiful car. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would have asked, and this is interesting in my marriage because <clears throat> like the things that I really value are different than the things that my husband really values or that we find fulfilling. like what yes. is really fulfilling about this for you? I'm not a car person. I've never been a car person. I'm like, I want it to go from A to B. I drive my cars for 10 or 15 years because I just don't care. I just yeah, yeah. <laughs> not my thing. Yeah. They're totally my husband's thing. He loves his truck. He has to love his vehicle. He's like, look, I get in this thing every day. When I get in it, I want to love it when I get in it. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. I don't like, I don't have that same <laughs> Right. And I totally, I told, for me, it's international travel. Like, I, yes. that's like, that's what, that's the thing that I write a check for that I don't have any regrets about however much I'm going to spend. Cause that's the thing that I'm like, Yes. I love, it's so fulfilling for me. It's so fulfilling to experience different cities
1: and different food and different culture. I love that you said that though, fulfilling, because I think that's what it comes down to, right? Is what is fulfilling for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I think more and more about my purchases, uh, now that I'm living in this little box on wheels and I I mean, I, I can't fit much more in here. So I do think more about what is, do I really need this? Do I really want this? And again, it's totally up to each individual person of what's important to you. But to maybe be more aware and conscious of how you're spending, what you're spending the money on and and to just stop and think like, Mm -hmm. would I rather, How maybe I'd feel more fulfilled if I paid off this credit card yeah, find this dress, you yeah. <laughs> yeah, whatever. I yeah. don't know. I, so an exercise I like to use for
0: decisions like that are, are make sure that your financial decisions are honoring your past self, yeah. honoring your today self, um, honoring your future self. Yes. And so many times because we're human and it is mm-hmm. how we are hardwired. Mm-hmm. So many of our decisions today are based on our past selves. Me running away from the experience my mom had right to something else that was a hundred percent based on past experience that I like, I'm going to do something totally different. And what I have found again, it took into my forties, I've been doing this for 20 years. It took 20 years of experience and helping clients in 20 years for me Mm -hmm. to be like, Oh, I don't have to be running away from my past anymore. I can orient all of this towards Mm -hmm. what is the today that I want to enjoy and my future self. If I meet myself, I want to have a conversation with Jen 10 years from now. And I want to know like, all right, 10 years from now, what decisions today am I going to be more happy with? less happy with. And that goes for even like the, you know, online shopping and things like that. Like if you buy this (laughs) a week from now, are you going to be like, you know, was premenstrual, and I was just yeah. like, "I bring that up." That's me. Like, I'm looking for the dopamine so <laughs> more than others. <laughs> if we take ourselves and say, and say, "Let me have a conversation with my future self before I make this call." Yeah, uh, it's a little healthier than just being oriented from your past.
1: Yeah, yeah. And do you find that um people? They have adopted the same mindset like as their parents. Like, is there a common thread that goes all the way back to childhood of how they think about money? Usually.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The thing about money is um, their skills, right? Mm-hmm. So driving a car is a skill. Playing a sport is a skill. Um, you only get good at skills if you're intentionally practicing them. Right. If you don't intentionally practice, usually your default setting is whatever, whatever the household system was when you grew up
2: and yeah.
0: you, you, you ended up, you know, it's kind of like when you buy a new electronic, it has default settings.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you have to put effort in to change the default settings. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is true for most adults.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, you're never, you're never too old. It's never too late to start fresh and to revamp the whole thing. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. I
0: saw I saw a creator on TikTok, uh, a mm. psychologist and I should have her name handy if I'm going to be using her stuff, but I don't like <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, but she brought up <clears throat> she brought up the stages of change. Uh-huh. Like, change is hard for humans.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and she's like the two places where people usually fail with change um are that Going from contemplation, so like, oh, I should be better with money. I want to be better with money. Like thinking about it to action. You know, to your point. So, like, take the smallest action.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, But she suggests in that in that phase, Mm -hmm. before you make a change, ask yourself two questions on a scale of one to ten: How important is this to you? Mm. And how confident are you that you can make this
2: change? Mm-hmm. And
0: if you don't score in those two things, if you're not scoring like eight, nine, or 10, ask yourself, mm-hmm. what do I need to make this higher, to make this score? Yes. Yep. So get that done first before you implement the change, then you yep. implement
2: the change.
0: And she said the other area where people usually ha- struggle is that when you do make a change, you are going to screw up. Like it is just like, yes. <laughs> again, Talking yep. about budgeting, we're talking about eating healthier, right? Oh, I ate the whatever, or I spent yep. the whatever. When you fall off the wagon, expect that falling off the wagon is going to happen. Yeah, don't get stuck or stop just because you had that
1: hiccup. Yeah,
0: learn from it.
1: Now, next time, you're
0: better informed. Just keep, yeah.
1: keep moving along. Yeah, and don't beat yourself up over it. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, we're all a work in progress. We're all. What do I say? We're we're a human being being human, you know. We're like we're all trying to figure this crap <laughs> out, you know. Being human we're is the school the the school of life. Yes. Yep. Yeah. It's not linear.
0: It's it's not clean. It's not tidy. It's not any of those things. Being human is messy.
1: Yeah. So can you work with people um, worldwide, countrywide? Countrywide. Yeah. Oh nice. Okay, so
0: I'm, good I'm registered with the SEC. I'm a um, investment advisor representative uh all 50 states. I'm licensed in all 50 states. Oh, do, nice. yeah. I do 100% of my work remotely. So like you're joining me in my yeah. my gen den. This is a an office. <laughs> so I like that. <laughs> it's 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 literally a shed, like a she shed on our property. So my commute is
1: a nice little walk through our yard. Yeah. <laughs>
2: That's
1: awesome uh, uh, well, that's good because i' I needed you like a few years ago um but yeah for for people out there listening, you know especially if you are you know a woman that's you know getting a divorce, preparing for a divorce yeah yeah they need they need you,
0: yeah, I think any any i mean wh- where we really are specialized is helping women be financially confident. And usually because our services are financial planning, which are like future financial projections Mm -hmm. uh, and investment management, usually uh, we're working with women that are making $250,000 a year or more. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I'm happy to have a conversation with anybody. I don't like gatekeep initial conversations. If I'm not the right fit. Yep. I'll be the first person to tell you and I'm happy, especially again, to help women yeah. be more financially confident. I'm happy to point you in the right direction say, this is the first action you should take. And these are your Yeah, reasons.
1: Yeah, that is so awesome. We, we need more gins in the world. <laughs> Thank you. i <I'm> trying. <laughs> <I'm laughs> trying. <I'm> trying to <laughs> multiply. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: So where can we find you? Uh, utorwealth.com. So U-T-O-R-W-E-A-L-T-H, utorwealth.com. I've got like a book here button in the top right corner and, you know, a 20 minute call. Anybody can drop in on my calendar for
1: that. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much. Uh, any, any final words, uh, you want to, to say? Uh, I think we covered, we covered like Really, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Death, divorce, and disease—we got it all. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. debt and (laughs) debt—all the D's. We could like leave people with like
0: a a real like tactical, you know, like how to. Um, My favorite financial hack is automating, and you know, a lot of people say that. Like a lot of people say, just automate. But what I'll say, what I haven't seen anybody else say, is. My favorite automation is having 100% of your income. So whether it's W-2, you know, employee income or self-employment income, having 100% of your income being direct deposited into a savings account oh. first, instead of a checking account. And then from the savings account, you're putting your monthly spend, you're transferring that
1: into your checking account. I always say the simplest teachings are the most profound and how simple is that? I mean, hello. (laughs) I'm thinking like, duh, it's almost like, why did it take us so long to put wheels on a suitcase? You know, like, hello, why don't we? (laughs) (laughs) It is like, it is that kind of life changing. Yes.
0: And I love how like that even signals. To your brain, like it's even a message to your brain that's like, this is my money first. Yep. All of this income is paying me first. And then from that, Mm -hmm. I'm saying, yes, here's the money for the mortgage, here's the money for. Yeah, First, genius, that kind of thing. But that you're at the
1: center of all of that. Yeah, I love it. Thank you so much. Jen. I'm glad I asked you that final question. <laughs>
2: and I never <laughs> do that.
1: That was just for me. <laughs> the <into> savings. <laughs> thank you so much, Jen. And I hope everyone learned a lot. I did. Yeah, me too. Thanks for having me, then. Thank you. Bright spot in people's day. <laughs> thank you. Oh, I appreciate that. All right, thank you. And now for the nuggets of midlife wisdom from today's show. Number one, reframe the meaning of money and refer to money as a resource you need to manage like time, energy, and relationships. There is less emotional baggage attached when you treat money as a resource. Number two, even before you truly believe it, walk down the path of I am capable even when the how isn't clear. I love that. Number three, you do not get out of this lifetime without making financial mistakes. Word. So don't be afraid to make them and learn from them. Number four, the first pillar of financial success is that you have to spend less than what is coming in. Look at what is coming in and what is going out. Number five, make sure your financial decisions are honoring your past self, honoring your today self, and honoring your future self. What decisions can you make today that you will be happy with in your future? Great question. Number six, before you make a change, ask yourself these two questions and rank them on a scale of one to 10. Question number one, how important is this to you? Question number two, how confident are you that you can make this change? If you're not scoring an eight, nine, or 10, ask yourself, what do I need to do to make this score higher? And number seven, Jen's fave automation hack is to have 100% of your money deposited into a savings account instead of a checking account, and then transfer your monthly spend into your checking account. Genius! Hello, Jen. You are the coolest. Thank you for being on the show and teaching us so many good things about managing our money, honey. Please check out Jen's website at utorwealth.com. That is u t o r w e a l t h dot com, and get her step by step guide to finding the right financial advisor by going to guide.utorwealth.com. I will leave all the links in the show notes for you as well. Okay, kids, it is time to pack up this bus and head to the beach. When I chat with you on Tuesday, I will plan on having a better travel update for you. Have an extraordinary week, everyone. Did this podcast inspire you, challenge you, trigger you to make a change, or spit out your coffee laughing? Good. Then there are three ways you can thank me. Number one, you can leave a written review of this podcast on Apple iTunes. Number two, you can take a screenshot of the episode and share it on the social media and tag me, Wendy Valentine. Number three, share it with another midlifer that needs a makeover. You know who I'm talking about. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Get out there and be bold, be free, be you.